Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. You won't be hearing Scott's voice today. It will just be myself. Um, and this is a special episode where Pete Wargent and I really unpack what's been happening throughout the months of 2022 here in the Brisbane property market. This is an episode that we shared through Pete Wargent's podcast, The Property Pod, and we're sharing it here on the Brisbane Property Podcast as well. Really hope you enjoyed this special episode. G'day, welcome to this week's episode of the Pete Wargent uh, property pod. I forgot the name of my own podcast there. Um, it's really great to have uh, familiar face back on the show, Melinda Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers in Brisbane. Uh, Melinda, welcome. It's great to have you back on. Thank you so much for having me again, Pete. It's good to see you again and looking forward to sharing some insights on what's happening in Brisbane. Yeah, I think that's what we really want to get from you today, some granularity. We see a lot of headlines about what might or might not be happening in the market, but obviously... Uh, being someone who lives and breathes Brisbane real estate um, on the ground, it's. Uh, I think it'll be useful to get some um, more granular granular insight. So I'll just run through a brief uh, bio. So um, Linda's always been interested in real estate from a very young age, um, onto the Brisbane housing market at 18, I think, just a couple of years ago. And uh, coming <laughs> from a... <laughs> yeah, well, we're in the same boat there. So <laughs> we'll... Um, so you're coming from a, a research background with a PhD, Melinda was moved into real estate originally in the building and construction and property development industry, but now heads up as the managing director of Streamline Property Buyers, um, helping uh, their clients to understand the importance of having a proper property investment strategy. And Melinda's a QPIA advisor, um, and as we mentioned, very active buying in the Brisbane market. So. Um, Melinda, what's happening in Brisbane this year? We've seen a lot of headlines about the market being cooler after a very manic 2021, but what are you seeing up there? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think that um, we've all been a little bit scarred by what we experienced in 2021 because that market was the abnormal market. And I think now we're comparing everything that's happening to last year. Um, the reality is that Brisbane was still extremely strong both through January and February this year. And then, of course, we were hit with the floods at the end of February. And that was the first big um, event, I guess you could say, that impacted on the Brisbane markets. It did scare a, a few people off. And then, of course, we had a pending federal election and then interest rate right uh, interest rates started to increase over time. So whilst other markets were impacted um, much earlier in the year than Brisbane. I mean, we still had price growth across both the housing and the unit market until mid-year. June was the peak. Um, Brisbane then started to um, see the median values decline from July onwards in the housing market. And in fact, the, the unit markets performed quite differently. So, you know, these are off some really big um, price growth. So Brisbane had um, at for a period of time was leading the price growth over a 12-month period throughout Australia. Um, if we look at the peak in June, the year-on-year -year price growth in Brisbane was uh, for houses was up 27.4% and for units we were up 15.8%. So really strong price growth. And yes, the markets come off when we look at those median values just in the last few months, especially in the housing market. 
um, about the, the unit market. Um, if we want to talk about being granular, the, the unit market's been a lot um, more resilient over that time. So, yeah, happy to sort of get, get into the nitty-gritty of that through the podcast. Yeah, cool. Uh, before we come on to what's been happening um, in recent weeks and right now, um, let's just go back a, a couple of months and just talk about the proposed uh, land tax changes, or they were actually... Uh, legislated but now apparently shelved did any of that um stuff we've covered it in previous podcasts but did any of that stuff um make any difference to market sentiment and what investors were planning to do or is that uh you know is that kind of all washed through now yeah it's a good question i think that there was definitely um a lot of headlines around the proposed changes um, well after it was actually legislated, I think as we, you know, approached the the time frame um, closer to when the housing summit was announced, people were it was that, that's when it became apparent through the media, and that's when people sort of knew more about it. Um, we'd certainly been advising clients to get advice because it was legislated back in December last year. So um, I think it's only when the media started talking about it that it became a real issue, and that definitely had an impact on. Um, the level of inquiry and also the confidence that a lot of investors had to, you know, make a purchase here in Queensland and they they may have been looking at other alternative locations just to avoid the, the change. Nobody likes change. It brings a level of uncertainty and, you know, people want to feel confident when they're investing such large sums. I think also um, a survey that Pippa put out, Property Investment Professionals of Australia, actually showed that um, about 30% of the investment property stock in Queensland um, sold over the last two years. And people that completed that survey cited that the number one reason that they did sold was related to the proposed Queensland land tax. So it definitely had an impact on the market. And I think common sense prevailed because had that have had that have been legislated, I think it would have caused further um, impacts in terms of the number of investors that that wanted to stay in because of course it was retrospective and you know it impacted people that had built a portfolio um, around the current planning or the current laws of land tax and and that was the biggest issue that people had. I was recently uh, down in Melbourne and went to a PIPA seminar which was originally designed to discuss the Queensland land tax but at, at which point it had already been shelved so I did hear some of those same statistics. I was interested to see uh, in Pippa's um, questionnaires that they put out, that every year Southeast Queensland is the number one location for investors looking. So you get a lot of um, people in Sydney and Melbourne who own a home, but when they're coming to add an investment property to the portfolio, invariably the number one uh, state of choice is Queensland. So obviously you get a lot of um, inquiry from interstate. Uh, what I wanted to get onto today, Melinda, is um, I've seen some headlines, Brisbane housing prices falling, and I've seen even with my own eyes some properties uh, selling that would have sold a year ago for seven figures and now sort of fetching around 900. So there's there's definitely been some examples of prices coming off. But then on the other hand, we were just tracking a property in a suburb, Cooparoo. Uh, first open home was on Saturday. There was 180 inquiries. First open, there was multiple offers and no doubt, it's gone under contract today. And also just um, at the top end of the market, some massive prices being achieved. And even out in suburbs way beyond uh, what you'd think of as, as Brisbane, out in places like uh, uh, Caboolture and places like that, just big prices uh, always popping up 
here and there. So what's going on? We've got headlines talking about prices falling, but then I've seen other examples of prices being red hot. So what are you actually seeing at the granular level? I think it's a great question to ask because data is fantastic for reporting on large trends, but people have to understand what uh, properties are transacting to understand what is making up that data. So um, we know that we're in an environment where sales volumes are slightly down from where they were 12 months ago. I think uh, CoreLogic's reported for Brisbane, we're down about 7% year on year. So there's a slightly smaller volume. Um, when we get down to looking at um, trends in terms of median value trends, of course, we're reporting on the middle value, the median value. Um, and if there's been a change in what is actually selling, that can impact on the median value trends. So what I mean by that is that um, typically in a market that we're experiencing, it, certainly in the last um, couple of months in Brisbane, it's very property specific. You can't sort of say this area is performing this way and that area is performing that way. It's very property specific because it does come down to, you know, the demand for a particular product or a particular property and how many um, interested buyers there are. Like you, we've experienced same or similar examples where um, in that those brand new builds, those new renovations, those family homes in desirable locations, the demand for those sorts of properties in Brisbane over recent months has been um, really, really strong. Um, and we also have so many examples where a property might be listed first open home on a Saturday, closes with multiple offers, you know, the following Monday, three days later, um, and achieves, you know, a record price for the suburb. Now, that's out of alignment with a median trend, which is reporting property values are declining. So one thing that we've noticed on the ground is that um, the gap between buyers and sellers for a lot of properties has increased. And what that means is we're seeing that a lot of vendors are holding onto their properties and they're not transacting. So, you know, if the the seller doesn't meet the level that the market's prepared to pay, that seller and that property does not become part of the data trend. So there's a lot of properties that, you know, have been on the market, days on market, in fact, have actually doubled in the last 12 months for Brisbane. So we're seeing this trend where there's more older listings um, and therefore what is selling are the people that are the motivated sellers um, or the people that need to sell for whatever reason um, and the people that are prepared to meet the market. And, of course, we're in a market where, the buyer sentiment has been significantly impacted by rising interest rates, high inflation, um, and and the media headlines, which are suggesting that property prices are crashing. So, you know, we're definitely not putting a blanket approach on what's happening in Brisbane, um, because even when we talk about property prices, most media talk about dwelling values. Whereas, you know, when we break that down into what's happening in the housing market in Brisbane versus the unit market, it's a very different trend because houses have come off 7.9% from their peak in, in June when we look at that median value, whereas units have increased um, over the same period 0.5%. So I think it's really important for people to understand what is it they're looking at, what product type and also the location because a median value trend does not always tell a full story of what's actually happening on the ground. Yeah, I often uh, wonder about the value of suburb or postcode level data because even within a suburb as you know you can have uh, streets that are on highways or streets that are prone to flooding but then other parts of the suburb in uh, higher ground might be very highly sought after with views and so on um now i've um i recently saw a, a suburb record price uh, which probably ties into what you're saying in kedron where 
I think it was a turnkey development in the Hampton style. And it was, I, I don't know, from memory, high two millions or something. Uh, so obviously there are some parts of the market, as you mentioned, uh, particularly in the family home market that are doing really well. Um, but I guess the other side of that is if prices are falling on a medium basis, there must be other property types that are struggling. Are you seeing um, any particular types of property that are not achieving the same prices? Would that be things like development blocks and uh, or properties that need a lot of work? Absolutely. I think anything that needs a lot of work, it's um, it's gone out of flavour with buyers. Any properties that even... 12 to 18 months ago were flying out the door because people were trying to get their hands on anything, um, properties that needed to be knocked down to be rebuilt. Of course, those sorts of properties um, have become, you know, the demand has really dropped off for a couple of reasons. One, it's it's really hard to lock in a builder to actually do the improvement works because the construction industry is so stretched and there's so much uncertainty around building prices. So for people to actually, you know, purchase a, a home to, to renovate or purchase a property to knock down and rebuild even developers, it's it's very difficult for people to lock in build costs and therefore there's a lot more risk um, in today's market compared to, you know, where that was 12 to 18 months ago. So anything that needs a lot of work, definitely been out of flavour in there. In fact, for anyone that's still in the market for that sort of product, there have been some good buying opportunities. Much It's much easier to buy closer to land value for something that needs to be knocked down so um construction you know and and the fact that labor's been really hard to secure has probably been one of the primary causes for that yeah that does make sense uh, materials and trades prices have been so high that um uh there's less appetite i think for doing major renovations and of course a lot of that was stimulated anyway with the the government stimulus packages um so probably seeing the downside to that trend at the moment um, a lot of people just don't have the appetite for a major project at the moment so that does kind of make sense now um, interesting uh, from a demographics point of view so uh, southeast Queensland saw the highest uh, net interstate migration on record in the 2022 financial year so we've never seen even during the mining boom years we never saw so many people moving uh, to Southeast Queensland. Um, now, I've just noticed just over the last month or so, um, up on the Sunshine Coast anyway, people who moved up from Melbourne, lots of houses suddenly going up for sale and people thinking, well, actually, I want to move back. I want to go back to the big city because you can't really get anything to eat after 7pm. It's a little <laughs> bit quiet. You can't go to the opera. And I, I guess we often see this in regional markets. Um, but I'm assuming in Brisbane, it's not quite the same dynamic because Brisbane has all of those things in its own right. Um, and I guess you've still got the comparative affordability compared to Sydney or Melbourne. But are you seeing any sort of COVID reversals in Brisbane or is it just holding firm? It's it's a good question. And a lot of people ask us about this because a lot of people um, you know, ask about you know, will will the outer suburbs become more popular over time because of the impacts of of COVID? Um, you know, I think that we we really have to consider COVID as um, a life changing event, absolutely. But is it going to have long lasting impacts on the way we live and work? And your example around, you know, people 
did want to actually make that move for lifestyle reasons um, and then they've, they've made that move and then they realise that actually that's not what we really want. We do like the hustle and bustle. We like our lifestyle in the busier locations. I think also over time as Brisbane becomes more populated as a city, commute times to get into and out of um, employment hubs are only going to increase. So whilst that work from home um, phenomena became more apparent during COVID, I think there's more and more um, industry or businesses that are now asking workers to come back into the office, if not full-time, at least for a number of days per week. So I think that there's a reversal in that trend already. Um, and we're, we're seeing, you know, through our own inquiry, um, some of the, the trends of people relocating to southeast Queensland, um, certainly to Brisbane, um, we're still seeing that through our own inquiry where people are um, able to work from Brisbane, but potentially commute one or two days to um, Sydney or Melbourne, some of those big um, employment hubs, but they're able to, you know, set up somewhere that's close to to airport, um, you know, to the airport to get to and from the other capital cities. So I think that's a trend that potentially could continue, but it, I guess it depends on the industry that people are in. Um, and Brisbane's obviously a lot more accessible uh, because of our airport um, than some other areas, you know, around southeast Queensland for people that follow that trend. Very topical as I had to uh, go to Brisbane International only last night to uh, pick up a family member. And uh, it's very, very easy. You can just drive in. You don't have to go into the CBD. You just uh, cruise up, pick up the uh, the arrival uh, uh, passengers and off you go. So uh, it's, uh, it's a very easy international airport to visit. Um, just in terms of the properties for sale on the market. So pre-pandemic in Brisbane, um, I guess, give or take, we were running at about 30,000 or so listings. And obviously, as you mentioned, through COVID, we went through an exceptional period there where listings were falling every month um, mm. to the extent that at the beginning of this year, we probably had about half of that number of total property listings. Now, things have recovered a bit, but just looking at the figures um, up until last month, October 2022, there's still only about 20,000 listings. So we're way down on uh, pre-pandemic levels um about 20,000 or so um does that sort of tie into what you've been seeing that stock levels are still actually relatively tight overall yeah new listings are down I think 25 percent compared to this time last year so when we're looking for our clients what we're interested in is what new is coming to the market and then what we're finding is out of that stock that's coming to the market there's a real lack of quality so it's not just how many properties are coming, but, you know, are they the sort of properties that we would want to be buying for clients? Because, you know, we've seen a, um, a number of properties recently in some of the inner city locations that have been sold as is flood damaged properties, for example. Now, that's not the sort of uh, property that we would typically be recommending for, for people to buy. We've seen more uh, properties on main roads, more properties that are impacted by noise. Like these sorts of properties tend to be the properties that people offload when times get tough because investors might have purchased them and they think, well, let's let's offload them before, you know, the market crashes because they they believe that that might happen off the back of the media messaging. So we're seeing more um, B and C grade uh, properties come to the market. And of course, they tend to sit longer because buyers have become more picky and choosy about what they would consider spending their money on because of the change in the market as well. Last year, everything was selling regardless of whether it was impacted in any way. But now, especially off the back of the second flood in Brisbane within a, a space of 10 years, that's been, you know, a, a big 
shift in the mindset for people buying flat impacted properties, but, you know, also just returning to a normal market. This is where buyers actually take the time to um, discover whether the floor plan is right for them, whether the school catchment's right for them, you know, whether they would consider the compromise of being in a busier location, listening to that road noise. And in most cases, buyers are willing to wait, especially when the market's not growing um, in value at a significant pace month to month, which is, that was the fear of missing out that we experienced last year. And that's why a lot of buyers just made compromises to get into the market. We're not seeing that anymore. So um, B and C grade properties are just sitting on the market for a lot longer. Yes, and that, I guess that does kind of uh, make sense with the stage of the cycle, a bit more caution, interest rates generally trending up. I was reading a um, report this morning on uh, housing supply, and um, it mentioned how of all the capital cities, Brisbane is the uh, city that's going to be grappling with undersupply over the next decade, which is kind of interesting because five or six years ago, it was kind of the other way. There's units going up all over the place, um, largely sold to offshore investors in mainland China, but then those investors kind of got taxed out of the market. And this report was saying that uh, developers have, have struggled to sort of get projects to commence, partly for the reasons you mentioned, the lack of availability of materials and trades, uh, but the demand is just growing and growing for Brisbane. Um, now, you mentioned before, the unit and townhouse market or the the sort of strata type of properties have been performing a bit differently from the detached house market, I guess, because they didn't have as big a boom, um, maybe a bit more resilient at the moment. But um, are you active in that part of the market and what kind of trends are you seeing? Yeah, it's a part of the market we haven't been active in until this year. So we observed back in 2014, we had a change in our city plan in Brisbane, and that resulted in a lot of previously zoned industrial land being rezoned for medium and high density residential um, use. And that's why we saw this huge boom in the number of high density units that were developed throughout our city. Um, you know, 2016, we hit a peak in the number of units that were coming to the market. So peak supply was 2016. And of course, that had a huge impact on um, on property prices in that high density space. You know, they, they came off a lot because there was too many properties and not enough buyers. So the supply and demand metrics were out of, out of balance. Now, of course, in that time, oh, since 2016, the number of new properties that have been um, developed has been declining. Uh, but at the same time, the demand um, has continued to increase. You've talked a lot about interstate migration. We've got international migration also. A lot of the international migrants typically would rent higher density apartments before they might look to buy or, or rent elsewhere. So a lot of that stock's now been absorbed and we've got that shortage that you've mentioned That in that um, there's not a lot of new stock that is in the pipeline for development. There's not a, as much land left for redevelopment and developers are actually finding that they're having to rip up pre-sales contracts because, you know, it takes a lot for a big development to get out of the ground because they do need to generally have a number of pre-sale commitments um, however, with the huge increase in the cost of construction, a lot of developers that might have had a number of pre-sales in the, the pipeline have had to rip up those contracts whilst their developments have become, you know, less feasible. They simply can't build them for the cost that they had originally planned to. So that's really put a handbrake on the any new supply coming through. Um, and because we've still got this huge demand from people moving and relocating to southeast Queensland, we've just got this shortage and it's not something that's going to be solved overnight. So 
you know, and I mentioned previously the number of investors that have sold investment properties that were purchased by home buyers over the last two years in Queensland off the back of that PIPA report. So, you know, in terms of the the amount of the stock available, whether that is um, properties available for sale or properties available for rent, um, it's not looking good in the future. Um, and therefore, when we're looking at the supply and demand metrics, whilst we continue to have affordability, you know, high rates of interstate migration, now with the international borders open, we'll have those international migrants coming through. Um, demand will remain strong. Yes, it gets dampened uh, for some people with rising interest rates, of course, um, but we've still got those other demand drivers here um, in Brisbane for, for property here, which I think long term um, will will have a, a huge impact on maintaining the balance um, and therefore we, we really won't see prices crashing. Something that uh, ties into that um, is the rental market uh, tightness and um just going back to what you were saying about 2016, I remember when the vacancy rates in Brisbane were over 4% about six years ago. And um, I was living in Brisbane at the time uh, in suburbs like uh, Newstead. You just look at mm. the new developments and think, gee whiz, there's not many lights on in some of these uh, new blocks. But over time, they filled up, I guess, um, anticipating the demand that was to come. And as you mentioned, a lot of things have come back into balance. In fact, at the last count, the vacancy rate was well under 1% for Brisbane, I think 0.7, which we yeah. never even saw um, during the mining boom years. We never got that low or that tight. And I, I see that um, asking rents are up 20 to 25% over the year. Um, so is that uh, something that you're seeing in terms of uh, uh, very tight rental markets? And presumably, based on what you've just said, that's likely to continue over the next few years now the borders are open? Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Um, SQM vacancy rates citywide currently sitting at 0.7%. We look at some suburbs that um, we buy for investor clients and vacancy rates are, you know, 0.3, 0 0.4%. There's literally nothing to rent. Um, and there's instances where prior to settlement, if a property is actually listed for rent, you'll have multiple applications sight unseen from tenants um, and usually above asking price simply because you know they people are desperate and it's not a great situation at all it's not something that we as landlords have control over it's just um, a consequence of circumstances over the you know number of years leading to now whereby investors have been leaving the market there's been so much disincentive for investors so you know people have just given up and, and sold out and there's not been any incentive to get more investors in the market so you know we have a situation where we've got really low volumes of uh, quality investment properties for people to rent. And so therefore, when when people are looking for, for a home to, to rent, there's just not enough stock available for them. And that's what's pushing the prices up. It's not because landlords are being greedy. It's not because interest rates are going up. It's simply because there's simply not enough investment stock. Um, and yet the demand for that that those investment or those homes um, from tenants is is so high. Yes, I mean, uh, again, at Sunshine Coast, we've seen a little bit of a reversal there. There's a few more listings coming onto the market. But I, I do think these um, lifestyle markets like Noosa, they, they tend to be more pro-cyclical. Uh, people, when times are good, they buy holiday homes. And when there's a slowdown, they tend to sell them. Um, I think the capital cities tend to be a bit more consistent through the cycle. So I guess piecing all of this together, Melinda, what do you um, expect for... Uh, Brisbane in 2023 and the next few years what's your outlook? 
I always um, love it when people ask me this because there's no guarantee of, you know, <laughs> what direction <laughs> we might be heading. And, of course, there's so many world events that could change what I'm about to say. But, you know, I think once we um, reach a period where interest rates stabilise, just based on the foot traffic that we're seeing through the homes that we're inspecting in Brisbane, the demand from buyers is still there. I just think right now there's a lot of nervous people. There's a lot of people that are very uncertain and there's a lot of property buyers that um, are just lacking confidence. But I feel once we have some more certainty around um, interest rates plateauing, certainly if we see inflation start to come off, I do think that buyers will jump back in. And unless we see um, a huge uptick in the number of properties um, be being listed for sale, um, I think we're going to see a recovery of prices. Um, I don't think it's going to be anything like what we experienced throughout 2021, but just based on the volume of buyers that we're seeing and, you know, the tight supply market, I think that prices will um, stabilise and then start to, to to grow again. And if we're looking at a five or a 10-year outlook, you know, the, the outlook for Brisbane, in my opinion, it's extremely positive simply because the um the economy right now is very strong we have an extremely strong labor market so um very low unemployment um the amount of infrastructure projects that are currently underway these sorts of things create jobs they benefit people that live in the local community but i do think there may be a shift in the next 10 years in the way we live in brisbane there really has to be because of the projected uh, population growth. We can't continue to spread out like we have in the past and therefore I think we will become a more densely populated city and so it's important to see what will Brisbane look like 10 years from now because I think it'll be quite different to what we look like today um, and therefore you know it's understanding how will we commute, how will we move around the city um, because identifying you know, or, or answering those sorts of questions will help us to identify areas that we believe will be you know, um, desirable in the future, not just desirable today. So I'm very optimistic for the long-term future of Brisbane. Um, until we see interest rates stabilise, I think we'll see continue to see a mixed market where it's very property specific, um, but just based on the volume of buyers that are still in the market, but just not necessarily participating, um, I think that the recover we, recovery will come sooner rather than later. Yeah, that makes sense. I actually just had one related question to wrap up, Melinda. I um, get asked, from time to time about the Brisbane Olympics, which is, what, 10 years away, and uh, uh, you know, people roll out statistics about um, how cities that have hosted the Olympics have generally seen sort of boosts to their economy and infrastructure and investment and, uh, by virtue of that housing prices. And I was, I was just looking at a list of the top 20 uh, development projects in Brisbane at the moment and gee whiz there's a lot going on <laughs> with uh, some of these developments are huge like Queen's Wharf and some of the stuff at North Quay and all around the place West End and so on um, do you have any um, sort of insights into um, what the Olympics might mean for Brisbane I guess it's just one factor among many but is that something you take into account? It certainly is because I think the Olympic Games here in Brisbane is quite a different Olympic Games to um, other um, modern world Olympic Games events in that 57% of the major Olympic Games venues in Brisbane are going to be uh, within five kilometres of our CBD. So this really is a capital city-centric Olympic Games and therefore the infrastructure that's being developed around the Olympic Games is actually going to have more benefit and impact on those inner city locations because of that fact. 
Um, whereas, you know, you look at Sydney, they built a precinct at Homebush, which was, you know, well removed from the CBD. So I do think that the, you know, the infrastructure that's coming in Brisbane um, is very centric in relation to the river and the venues around the um, Olympic Games precinct. Um, and because of that, I do think that the impact long term um, on Brisbane, you know, will continue to endure well beyond the Olympic Games because it's not just the infrastructure that's being built for the Olympics. It's actually once that infrastructure is built, it will be there for the long term for the benefit of residents in and around Brisbane. Um, so I'm very optimistic that the impact on our city may actually have longer lasting effects and then on other cities where they build a satellite city for hosting the Games. Yes, I mean, that's the thing that really stood out, I guess, from this huge list of projects and planned projects is just how many of them are close to Albion and the Gabba and the CBD. And it's fairly uh, centralised in terms of the uh, development that's underway and proposed. Um so that does make, in that context, a lot of sense. Um, Melinda, if people want to find out more about you and more about what you guys do at Streamline Property Buyers, where should they go to to find out more? Easiest location is the website, streamlineproperty.com.au. There's information about what we do, how we help investors and home buyers there, and um, it's easy to get in touch by completing an inquiry form from the website. That's perfect. Thank you so much. So it's always great to get your um granular on the ground insights as to what's going on down in brisbane um and yeah we look forward to seeing how things play out over the next uh, year or two uh, and always uh, welcome to come back on the show anytime you like thanks pete it's been great to provide an update and look forward to speaking with you again soon pleasure thanks belinda Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.